0: Welcome to Full of Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Williamson Burns, along with my counterpart, Zevon Morris. How's it going?
1: It's going bad, man. I'm crashing so bad right now. <laughs> oh, man. <I'm> crashing,
0: yo. <laughs> One of those weeks.
1: <laughs> One of those man, days. One of those days.
0: Not even weeks, just d- days.
1: I joke like we had, I had training today, man. It was like... We had training with the CEO of the company. So um, we had to stay up. We had to be attentive. We had to like be engaged. So I fall asleep in those type of settings. Like, focused. You know, yeah, I'll fall asleep in those settings, even in college. So I dropped like two monsters, not the small monsters, the big monsters. And I'm crashing, bro. The
0: big one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so crashes are. But Man. yeah, I'm ready though.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, um, we, we we've got a few NBA topics to get into um, for the first half, and then um, we're going to do a, a review of of casino in the second half. Um, but to start it off with uh, Devin Booker and you know the Suns and what they've been able to do, you know that they, they just won um, another one, an, another game today to close it out um, in the bubble, of eight and zero, um, haven't lost it, haven't lost a game at all in Orlando. And for what he's been able to do, it's just simply been phenomenal. Um, in the bubble, he's you know absolutely been on fire, reached. The 30-point um, mark many times during this run on Tuesday against the Sixers, he had his um, 91st career 30-point game breaking the Suns franchise record. He shared with uh, Walter Davis. He's also a first-time All-Star this year. Um, the Suns have had high-scoring play after averaging 120 points in the first six games. Um, and But but just looking back at this, and, you know, we, we don't really know, like, if they're going to be able to to get in or not, you know, memphis and and brooklyn um i'm not sure if if that game has concluded yet but by the time this episode is out you know we'll we'll already the playoffs will be well underway and we'll know who's who's been in that eighth seed but kind of like what are your thoughts on the dominant stretch Booker's been on and phoenix being extremely competitive and and great in, in, in these late game situations
1: this is nothing new man like we've seen devin booker go ham multiple times and it's still the same result. Them not making the playoffs. Now we don't know if they're like you said. We don't know if they're going to make it or if they're going to skip by. But we see Never Booker go crazy, like a lot of times. You can't count it on your finger. That man is averaging mm-hmm. over of, like thirty points in the bubble. A and O you know, because of him. The guy cannot miss. He's been putting in the work. He's been doing the necessary things. I love Aton I I don't know. I don't know if you remember. When we talked about Aiden coming out of um, Arizona. No, was it Arizona? Yeah, it was Arizona? No, no, it was not Arizona. Yeah, it's Arizona. Of... It is Arizona. Oh, wellington I'm Yeah, it was day. Arizona. I'm wanted today. <laughs> we came out of Arizona. He was my favorite out of Colin Sack Sexton or whatever. He was my my number yeah, one Colin thing. Sachs. He's been he's been playing good ball. Aiden has been playing good ball. He's is more ball movement. He's mm-hmm. been in the one and two game. He's been a two way rim protector. Yes. And he's been, he still has a long way to go, but I love what they're doing. Too late. But Devin Booker, I agree with my boy, Draymond Green. Get him out of there.
0: Draymond. Get, hey, get Draymond's going to have a future in broadcasting. He's going to have a future in that, in that inside the NBA crew. I mean, he, he, he was, he, he was one. I mean, what, with what he was saying with Devin Booker, he, he could tell like players mentioned but like greats recognize other greats. Like Kevin Durant right. even said, like if there's one player that he's really looking forward to see grow, it's Devin Booker. And many players have said this. And now we're, like you said, it's nothing new, but we're seeing this in a way where they haven't lost a game yet in Orlando and they've just been absolutely on a tear.
1: And okay. I agree. <sighs> he's one of those players that you just wish he would have like, a, like the star breakout because what's another guy that was really, mm, Carmelo was another one. I think Camello reached his peak, but he was mm-hmm. on a team that he couldn't win with the Nuggets. Then after the stint with the Nuggets, he moved. He was chasing money. He wasn't chasing the uh, the the, the uh, championship or you know the, the rings. Now, if Devin Booker gets the opportunity, because I I think he already got an extension at one point, if he gets another opportunity, will he do what Melo did? Will he chase the money or chase the ring, or will he stay? If he stays with the Suns, he chooses not the <laughs> not to chase the ring he chooses <laughs> the money but I seriously it's just like with Clay yeah. Thompson I want to see him with a different team to see what he does by himself I think he can lead a team I think Devin Booker needs help <laughs> it definitely shows he needs help you got an old Ricky Rubio yeah. he still got some juice a little bit he's more good on the backcourt than anything but I don't know, man. It's just like, I think he's going to burn out. He's going to be one of those guys who don't get a ring, like Allen Iverson, who's just balls out for many years and don't taste the glory. And we've seen it multiple times in basketball. I think, I don't want him in that category, but the Suns are playing great basketball. A lot of people counting them out, but they needed that last minute surge to go eight and no. It may not be enough, man. My team, I had making the playoffs, did not make it because of- uh, Didn't make it. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything. Well, it's- a- <laughs> <laughs> Let me I didn't want to up, bring brother. it
0: up, Savon's like. uh ah, let's talk about Phoenix. <laughs> I,
1: I have to, I have to give you props. You said the Pelicans would not make it to the playoffs. I'll have give you a props. You were correct, my brother. It wouldn't be me if I didn't give you props. But man, I'm sad it, about it, bro.
0: I mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean it, it, it's one of those things, though. Like, like from 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 what I from what I've seen, like with this team, like they have. So much young talent, and now the question is: like, um, can, can Zion play at a at a at a better weight that like that's more suitable for the p- the pace of um, play that they're going to be at? And then with Lonzo, like he really struggled um, from the perimeter and just over like overall, like we even talked about a couple episodes ago, like what we've seen from Lonzo and what you kind of expected from him coming out of UCLA and even the Lakers, and then some questioning if Alvin Gentry will even be like the the the, the long term coach that they will need, like. Kind of like, what are your short, short like thoughts on what the Pelicans' like future looks like? Because obviously they have a bright, bright future with Zion, but them kind of coming up short and, and them not really finding the answers. Like again, that Clippers loss, there were just so many question marks of just what what went right, what went wrong in terms of overall bubble play and and what they can build on, you know, for the long term.
1: I think they shot Lonzo. I don't think Lonzo stays there longer. Maybe I give him two years tops. He has not improved. He, I, I wanted to. He, I wanted him to improve. He has the chemistry with Zion, but I don't think that's enough to withstand him and have him solidify with that basketball team. Now I do think they build around Brandon mm-hmm. Ingram and uh, Zion Williams. Of course, I think they get rid of JJ Redick and shop him around as well. Even though he's oh. a good, he's a good player, I think I don't think they stay. I think they bring in some more man. I don't know. I just got a feeling they're gonna yeah. get rid of Lonzo for sure. If it not J.J. Redick, Lonzo for sure. He has not contributed. He has not. He has not lived up mm-hmm. to the hype. And I think that if Zion, Brandon Ingram, and Lonzo—they're three head monster. If Lonzo just wakes up and be UCLA Lonzo, then it's going to be the future. is definitely bright. But I don't think they wait around for that. I think they move. They shop him around. Get some yeah. role players. Get some shooters. They need some shooters because Zion's going to be, you know, a rim protector. He's going to be the big bruiser. Brandon Ingram is the mismatch. He's nine foot two. He has handles like AI. Like it's crazy. He's he's just like a hybrid. He's just like um Kevin Durant. But I do think they move on from Lonzo. Mm-hmm. I think that's like that's the biggest point. What what can they get for Lonzo? I'm not sure. I don't know if his stock went down or not, but I don't yeah. know. But I think they shop him around though.
0: Yeah. And, and, and going back to the Suns, sun, you know, looking at the overall roster, they're, they're you know, deeper and, and healthier. Um, DeAndre Aiden, and, and, and just like we were just talking about, um, he's, in his second year, has become a legitimate two-way presence. Um, his progress on defense is really evident when you look at him being an effective rim protector. Mm-hmm. Um, opponents shoot 9.8% worse within 10 feet of the rim when Aiden is nearby. Um, but the surrounding pieces for Booker and Aiden fit well with, um Mikel Bridges being an excellent wing defender, Cameron Johnson um, has also become a better defender, and then Ricky Rubio and, and Dar- Dario Sar- Sarge has have um, you know ha- helped in as, as as good additions as well. Um, but kind of like with the future of this Suns team, and you know it being enough to keep a, a young supremely talented player in, in Devin Booker long term, like you were saying. Like the question, the whole question about this, even though we're impressed with what the Suns are doing, it's we're going to think about what's going to keep Devin Booker or is he going to look for another place to go where he can like even compete at a higher level and really have a legitimate chance to win? Like, is that kind of like the overarching question still? Like you look at the surrounding pieces, but the number one thing is still, what is Devin Booker going to want to do with his future?
1: I think it's a bit of both. I think when it comes to a yeah. point where Devin Booker realized his worth, and I think he does, I think he loves the Suns. I think he loves that the Suns, you know, gave him the star and gave him the avenue to become the player that he is because when Devin Booker first came into the league, he wasn't as prolific as he is now, of course. He had to work up. But I think he I think he needs to go somewhere else. Now, if he stays, I think they continue to, to work on the bench. I think the starting five is okay. I don't know how long Ricky Rubio is going to play, but I I do like their starting five. Now, the bench is where you get tricky. Do they add more shooters? Do they add more big men? Do they spread out? What what do they do? What do they transition into? Because I think Devin Booker is a type of guy who loves to go iso, but he also has enough sense to do ball movement and create his own shot as well. But it just depends on, I think it all sums up to what Devin Booker wants to do in the end because he's he's the he's a gel and mm. everything you could tell he's averaging 30 points in the last 8 games in a bubble he looks good he man he, he really does look good i remember uh, one of the videos i saw in the summer and they he was doing he was killing them so bad in the camp that it was like they start double teaming in the pickup game. He was like, man, they don't double team in the pickup game. We working on our shot. <laughs> so I thought that was really funny. Like, even in the pickup <laughs> game, they're gonna double team Devin Booker to make sure he doesn't get points, but he still got buckets. But it's gonna be extremely, I think it's gonna be interesting yeah. where he wants to go after this. I think he leaves. I really do. Pull the LeBron. Go ahead, buddy. Pull a, pull a KD. <laughs> the pull list goes. KD. On
0: go go for
1: it <laughs> seriously go for it don't go to like a super team but go to a team where you know that you have a chance to compete you know i don't think yeah. he has with the sun and
0: and that's the thing The having the chance to compete just giving giving your yourself a legitimate chance to be in that in that um end goal and end situation even if you don't win it but at least have that opportunity is what um he should really be in and now transitioning to damian lillard um Lillard has, you know, already had an MVP caliber season, and and, and um, against Philly on Sunday, he recorded his fifth fifty point game this season. Um, he's averaged thirty three points per game, and has been, um, a, as we all know, a, a premier player of the league for a while now, and he's in the elite list of players with ten career fifty point games in NBA history. Um, some of the players are, are Wilt, um, MJ, Kobe, uh, Kobe Harden, and LeBron. Um, just just a, a fantastic list that, you know, shows the 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 elite caliber of players he's along with and what he's been able to do scoring-wise um at such a high clip. And every year since 2013, the the Blazers have made the postseason. Getting to a seventh straight postseason would be um even a longer streak than players like um Kevin Durant, Steph, Steph Curry, and Anthony Davis. Um, but what are your thoughts on how phenomenal Damian Lillard has continued to be as they try to get in as as the eighth seed? and also, I mean, you know, we saw what happened with the Clippers this past Saturday and the beef between him and um, Paul George and Patrick Beverly. He's one of those players that wants to stay with one franchise. Um, you know, he, he, he's really set in on, on trying to, to do it all for Portland and right. get, gets in, gets in beefs with other players, but it's one of those things where he stands his round and Portland is, you know, is the city he wants to stick with. This is so kind of like um also, what are your thoughts on just him just being dead set dead set on being with one franchise in that era where there's you know so much player movement?
1: Oh, so many questions. Uh Dame Tom for the first answer for the first question, Dame time. man is phenomenal. Heard. Uh I think he has that Kobe mentality, man. Uh at one point Kobe did want to leave, but he didn't do it. He thought about it. <laughs> I mean, a lot of players think about leaving, but he actually didn't do it. I think the loyalty he has and one. Like like with Devin Booker, um, they gave him an opportunity. And I think a lot of players are loyal and want to be loyal to a franchise because I think they – for talking – I think it started with him talking to the owner and being honest with the owner having those conversations mm-hmm. with the owner who actually owns the Seahawks. I think still he owns the Seahawks and the Trailblazers. Yeah. And saying, what do you want? What do you need to be a contender? They got they got a couple players. They gave him some Wischkom. Then they went to go get Melo, and I think Melo was a great addition to the team. He brings that different element to it, and I think most owners don't do that with players. And I think that was a like the, the deciding factor. Like I'm not going anywhere. If I could talk to the owner and he he makes the decisions and he does the things that I want that we need to do to win basketball games, I think that's right there. He's not going anywhere because most owners don't do that. It's really unheard of to be honest. And I think we talked about it one time before. And just how they're playing, man. Mm. Only team they lost to was, what, I guess the Clippers. I think the Clippers they lost to. And, uh, man, they're playing great basketball. Yeah. And then the beef, you know, if a guy won't back down to Shaquille O'Neal, especially in a rap battle, who you think he's going to back down to Patrick Beverly, a.k.a. Black Air Force oh, Ones and PG Br- Black. Black <laughs> Air
0: Force Ones? Are you kidding me? <laughs>
1: You think he's gonna back down for them? They if he doesn't back down to Shaq, man, he's not gonna back down to anybody, man. And I think it was, I think it was yeah, good man. that Paul George came out. And was like it wasn't like that; it's just competitive, and they both apologized. But it's a, it's gonna be a competitive sport. You want the your manhood,
0: especially with especially with social media and, and, and the added element of things like it, it, we, we saw it last year with with um the Blazers and the Thunder, like him and Russell Westbrook back and forth. And, and, and even with, with, with Paul George, the, the shot that he had over him, like, it's, it's just, it's so many things like in the age that we're in now, um, that's just going to be a, 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 an increased element to it, but it's natural because of, of the exposure that these guys have. It's a, it's a 24 seven, um, you know, 12 month sport that, that that's constantly covered and so many things are going on with it on a daily basis.
1: Yeah. It is. It's a part of sports. It's a, it's a part of the culture uh it, it would be weird if we didn't have beefs or like disagreements in uh basketball culture mm-hmm. or sports culture um in itself but i i just re- i like how they kind of like resolved it and then they get um and they take it further than what it needed to be and i think that was really good on both parties part um but I mean, Dame Tom, put some respect on his name. That's what he said. Put some respect on my bleeping name. And I put really. Put some respect
0: I, on his name. I respect Put his name. some respect on Dame's name.
1: <laughs> Dame's, Dame is so underrated. I don't understand how he missed out on so the All-Star underrated. so many years. How? I don't get it. Like, in every category. He had so- a right
0: to be frustrated with it. Some yes. people are like, oh, well, why do you have a right to be frustrated like you haven't gone to the you haven't like m- 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 had a, a long postseason run? I mean, this guy is is one of the premier players in the league. I mean, he, he he's he's a threat from the perimeter everywhere. Like he's just one of the toughest, like one of the toughest players to guard. like even Patrick Beverly in an interview recently um, a couple of weeks ago said, like, he's probably the toughest player, um, a toughest guard that, that he's ever had to face. And there's just so many challenges that that he presents for for any team.
1: And it is hard to get in his head, I think that's a different one because with Patrick yeah. Beverly, he does little subtle moves to get in your head to get in your 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 mental get in your space, but with Dane, he's like resilient the man you can't shake him he's a he's a rock, and granted... okay, here we go all right <laughs> Well that's the point he's he's a rock that's the oh he's a rock. Man. <laughs> but the no puns. seriously.
0: After, the, after those monsters, after those monsters, the puns are are, are flooding.
1: <laughs> but no, seriously, man. I man, it's hard to get, he's one of those resilient guys. I think he's he, you have to do you have to punch him to get under his skin or something like that. It has to be like a physical altercation to get him outside <clears throat> of like being focused on ball. But man, oh, shoot, man, he's one of the best point guards. Not even, like he's not top ten best in the league. I think he's like in the top twenty, of course. But he's top three point guard, hands down.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and, and and when you look at the at the backcourt, um, they they have one of the the, the best backcourts with um, um, L- Lillard, Lillard and um, TJ McCollum both have already agreed to signed long-term contracts with the Blazers within weeks of each other, which ensured they'd be in Portland through the um, 2023 to 2024 season. Um, A lot of times they're seen as just score-first guards who may be too similar to each other to win a title. And um, Lillard believes the relationship is as strong as, you know, any elite duo in the league. Um, He also mentioned Tracy McGrady and Vince Carter as a duo he admired a lot. And, And now the question is, are modern NBA duos just about pairing, you know, a-list talents together and hoping for short, short-term short success. Like, when you look at the Clippers with Paul George and, and Kawhi, in a couple of years, they may be on different teams. Like, the, the window that you have to, to get elite duos for a short time and have success is is really small um, in, in, in today's era. But kind of like, what are your thoughts on how this duo has developed over the years and, and where they're currently at now?
1: You said um, just Blazers or just in general the two? I mean, uh, L- Lillard and McCollum. You know, i I think they were kind of like similar players, and they really had to find <laughs> that chemistry. But to for two guys to be prolific in the front court in the back court is fairly unheard of. We we found one in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and it's really hard to say who else. I mean, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, but outside of that, it's hard to find two guys that are really prolific in the and the front court and the back court. Now they had to put some years in because I didn't like CJ McCullum. I thought he was inconsistent mm. player. I really did. I thought he was an inconsistent player. I think like two years ago when he went off in the regular season, I was like, oh. And then when they got in the playoffs, it may not have been two years ago. They went to the playoffs the first round and they got put out because CJ McCullum was not consistent at all. He was he was like, I think twenty percent from the field or something like that. Like he had a terrible series. Yeah, he really struggled in that series. And I was like, yo, okay, maybe what I was saying before, but now I, I think CJ, CJ is, <sighs> CJ, is CJ to be, <laughs> I don't know what else to say
0: because <laughs> <CJ's> CJ. <laughs>
1: CJ is CJ. It's like, he's, he's up in the regular season. And then every time they get an opportunity to go deep into the playoffs, it's just like, what? Come, go names. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing the same production. Yeah, and every like, I think that series, Dame averaged like 25, 27 points in that series and like seven, eight assists, three rebounds. Like, and CJ was nowhere near those numbers. And I'm like, yo. And then he did have one game, we had like 34, 35 points. CJ did. And I'm like, how? Mm -hmm. Like, are you picking games to play? Like, Is it low <laughs> like, what's This going game
0: I'm gonna play really well in. The other I'm game I'm not going <laughs> to say, but... go
1: bananas. I'm gonna go bananas. <laughs> like, I don't get it. I don't. I, I do say well. It's, I do want to get into the minds of like NBA players who are not like yeah really consistent. Yeah, consistent in playoffs. I'm like, you guys are so consistent in the regular season, and when it comes to playoffs, it's just like you're non-existent. I, I want to really know what it is because CJ is one of those guys. But I, in, as, in retrospect to the duo, one of the best duos in the league, best duos in yeah. the league, they know each other, they know what spots they're going to get. I think Dame is the leader out of the too. CJ is not very vocal. Dame's not really vocal either, but he's more vocal on the, the basketball court than CJ is. CJ is like those silent killers, like uh, Middleton to Giannis.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. A really kind of like low key, um, uh, consistent duo. i I mean, kind of, kind of uh, j- just under the radar, not getting the same uh, acclaim that others do. Um, transitioning to to uh, Ben Simmons and 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 the Sixers. Um, on Saturday, the Sixers announced um, Simmons needed surgery to remove um a, a loose body from his injured left kn- left knee and will be out for the rest of the season. And what he can do is is you know, as um a playmaker, is just cause. And not only as a playmaker, make, make, maker, but on defense, caused so much havoc by turning defense into offense with steals and deflections. Um, he's just one of the league's best and most versatile on-ball defenders. And no other player um, guarded all NBA players more often than than um, Simmons did this season, according to B-ball index data. And his production just, just can't be replaced, especially defensively. And Brett Brown, after Sunday's loss to Portland, said, quote, no matter what you do, it'll have to be done by committee. It can't all be on Joel. It's got to be a group thing, but I would be lying if i if I didn't say you do immediately feel a level a level of pain with his absence end quote um but kind of like what are your thoughts on the absence of Ben Simmons that they're gonna have to experience, and what this does for their long term questions of what works for this roster um kind of like after another disappointing season where um they had a lot of expectations, but it's just it's kind of been like. As we've always said with Phillies, it's been up and down, and we never know what Philly we're going to get.
1: It would have been even worse if uh, Joel B was like out for the season as well. I think he got injured as well, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, he did. Right?
1: Okay. Yeah. So now Joel, Joel, or Joel, how do you want to pronounce it? And honestly, I honestly hit his name. I think with him back, I think they feed him the rock more. I think all, all the offense goes to him. Ben Simmons is a good facilitator, but I think he can re- be, I think he can be replaced. Now, is it gonna hmm. be easy to replace him? No, not at all. I'm not gonna sit here and say Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons is a, is a really good player. But I think he can be replaced. I think they move the roster around. Now, it's gonna be interesting. Do they go big? I think they're gonna have to go big. I think they're gonna have to go yeah, big. They're gonna a- stay big. Al Horford, um, Joel B and feed feed feed. Now I I want them to go back to the old school days when they feed the feed the paint when the Admiral and uh, the big fundamental was down there. All they did was feed yeah, the paint. Duncan. I think they go yeah. to that. They need to go to that. If Joel and Joel and B is the guy, the great great center guy, you, everybody think he is. Put him to the test. It's time. It's
0: it's, time. This can be a time.
1: Yes, and we always talked about whether who team was it, who team really was We're about to find it? out now. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> We're about to find out. Can he lead a team? I say no. <laughs> I'm going to say no, but I want to <laughs> see him try. But he does have help. He does have uh, veteran guys. I think Al Horford has been here before. Kyrie Irving went down. Um, A couple other players. At one point, Marcus Smart was down. They found a way. I mean, they didn't win. They didn't win, but they found a way to compete. And I think they do the same Mm -hmm. thing. They have veteran players. But can Joel Embiid lead this team and be that guy? Can he go 40-20 like Kevin Love used to do? I say no. I don't
0: know how you believe. I say no. Though, I mean, and and that's one of the biggest questions because I, I, I still feel as though, like you're saying, um, that there's inconsistencies with Joel Embiid. I definitely think he's he's such a dominant post scorer, but like some days he wants to be extremely aggressive and 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 really like dominate inside, and others he's just settling from perimeter shots. Like that's the reason I would I would agree with you and 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 say no because we don't see that same. approach and and just mentality to what he's doing because it, it, it's not the same level of um strategy that he always uses for for certain games and I think like that that's why it's going to be still kind of an inconsistency to Philly but when you look at, at the Embiid-Simmons duo and um it's still having the, the potential p- potential to work on paper in terms of um what can happen down the road and just like with everything else it's about finding the right pieces around them um it's just not a, a natural partnership, and now we're going to get an extended look at the team um, in, in important games without it, without its um, important playmaker. But the question for them now is: um, Can a modern offense find success in the postseason by playing through the post? Um, Embiid's averaging five more post touches per game than he was prior to the hiatus, and um, he's obviously a, a diverse post scorer who can overcome opponents with power moves and using uh, fakes to, to get to the ba- baskets. But Kind of like what in what in particular are you kind of expecting to see from Philly with Embiid headlining things um, if he's healthy and ready to go? And 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 now the biggest question overall is just will the um how will the Embiid Simmons duo play out? Like for Brett Brown and the front office, what do you think is kind of like one of their biggest questions now in terms of just like this postseason is really like this postseason is really going to show us can Embiid be the, the the number one guy, or do we just need to move on from Simmons and just stick with Embiid?
1: I think, once again, well, Joel Embiid is not 100%. Let's, let's give yeah, him exactly. that. Let's give him that 100%. Saying, yeah. We'll give him that. But also, I think with them giving Simmons that extension in a new contract, and Joel Embiid's contract, I think is up in like two years, We'll kind of figure out who stays and who goes and what they do. Now he has the opportunity to prove himself. I'm the number one guy. Now, can they, I think it's going to be more funneling through Joel B It's going to be a lot of ball movement. A lot of ball movement. Because I think Tobias Harris is not a big three-point guy. They really don't have the three-point shooters. I mean, not in my opinion. And I think Shake Milton can't make a mistake. He has to do his job. Forget the process. The, the mantra should be do your job. Don't do make mistakes. Job. Like the
0: Patriots. Do your
1: job. <laughs> like Bill Belichick says, do your job. <laughs> do your job. That's it. Do your job. Do your job. But I think, <laughs> I think it can work. Cause even back in the day when they used to funnel everything through the post, it used to like a lot of ball movement, a lot of cuts, back screens. I think a lot of plays can be made in through the post. I think they utilize that. I think they have the, the the right coaching system to do so. They can adjust well. Utilize Al Horford. Utilize a, a 75% Joel Embiid and just funnel things through the post. Get some back screens. Get some wide open guy. Everybody's going to gravitate. If Joel Embiid and Al Horford are just making their ordeal and doing their thing, everything's going to gravitate like they used to do Shaq and Big fundamental and uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. It at least goes on everything funnels and traps and try to trap them into a double team and then leaves open for the, the for the uh, behind the arc. And I think that's that's their go to. Yeah. I think they can win that. I think they can win that way. And and,
0: and and their first series is going to be um, right now scheduled uh, to to be with Boston. So I mean, it, it, it's that's a team that has so many wing defenders and and what they and, and what they can do. Um, in terms of just what Jason Tatum is doing right now and then Kemba Walker with his leadership. Like, do you have any early thoughts on, on that series and, and kind of like what we could potentially see in in, in um in that one?
1: Small versus big. I think that's the headline. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's the headline. I think I think the 76ers being big can out outdo the smalls. I mean, it's I mean, it is Jason, a J, you know, Jason Tatum. And Kimmel walk in mm. those guys. But I think Al Horford and Jalen B will be too much. Al Horford is familiar with that basketball team. I think they'll be good in the front court, in the back court. I think it's going to be a good matchup. But I think they, they need to feed the paint. Celtics are small. Uh, yeah, that, I think that's how they win. I think they can win the series if they, if they stick to the gun, especially if they go small.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with our Casino Review. Welcome back to the show. And now we're getting into our Casino Review. And to start it off with the overview, um, Casino is a 1995 American epic crime film directed by Martin Scorsese, produced by um, Barbara DeFina and distributed by Universal Pictures, starring Robert De Niro, Sharon Stone, Joe Pesci, Don Rickles, Kevin Pollack, and James Woods. Um, it's based on the nonfiction book *Casino: Love and Honor in Las Vegas* by um, Nicholas um, Pelegi, who also co-wrote this, the screenplay um, for the film with, with Scorsese. And um, this film also marks the eighth collaboration between Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro. Um, it had a budget of forty to fifty million and brought in one hundred sixteen point one million in the box office, and has eighty um, percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it follows Sam Ace uh, uh, Rothstein, played by Robert. Played by De Niro, who is a Jewish American gambling expert, who was asked by the Chicago Outfit to oversee the day to day casino and hotel operations at the Tangiers Casino in Las Vegas. It was uh, ju- This movie was just a worldwide box office success, and um, Sharon Stone's performance was given much acclaim with her earning a uh, Golden Globe Awards for Best Actress in a Motion Picture Drama and a nomination for the Academy Award for Best Actress. And um, you know, looking back at this film, you know, it, it's the type of movie that Scorsese built his legacy on. Um, even though it may not be the best of his movies in the mobster genre, it's still a, a top tier film with obviously um, memorable performances from from Pesci, De Niro, and Sharon Stone. Uh, and and every mob film has a different theme that they that they go back throughout um, of the movie. And for this one, it, it was trust, especially with um, Ace and Ginger, and, and that being something that Ace constantly um, you know, just express her that he, that he had to trust her, um, if, the, if their marriage was going to work. And, um, to just, just kind of like, what were your initial thoughts on the film and how it was such a vintage Martin Scorsese film that, um, he pulled off so well?
1: What a movie, favorite, one of my faves, one of my favorite yeah. movie. Uh, it's, you know, those general law Martin Scorsese films. And I don't know, I always feel, fell in love. I with, can't uh, clock out. Right. <laughs> I always fall in love, uh, <laughs> fall in love with like Italian mobster movies or whatever. But I mean, De Niro, De Niro, uh, what's the ah, freak? What is his name? Well, it's here. Ace. He, Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. Man, I don't like I was always fascinated how this small guy was like the bad. He is dude. always
0: on one. Like Joe how- Pesci is always on one.
1: How is he the tough guy? These like how, like, he just doesn't like I don't, I guess I don't know. It was always like interesting to me, like how this this short, just chubby guy is like the bad dude killing everybody. Like he's the you know. But no, I love casino. I love like it gave you the insight of how casinos really work and how they're trying to scam you, and how everybody's trying to scam the casino. And then it's got love in there. It's got the She has he has everything you want, it has the action. It had it. Mean it was a. I mean, great film. I, I just can't get enough of it. I watch it every time it's on TV. I don't care what I'm doing. I think I said this about yeah. another movie, but Casino is one of those movies you can watch over and over and over. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to get to the funny part. <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and, and and I mean, uh, before we get to to the topics, I mean, Joe Pesci, he, he was one of the 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 most po- polarizing figures in the film. He. he in any film, he's a polarizing figure. He's had so many j- just great performances. He also was in Goodfellas, an a, a earlier uh, a Scorsese film. There's just something about his presence and what he does. Like, it, it is what in particular about Pesci, like, like, just impressed you in this film or just maybe over his career? Because, in, in everybody, of everybody in this film, there's so many great actors. He's the one that just stands out to, out to me the most as. I mean it's right up there with with one of his most iconic performances.
1: I think it's the voice, how he carries mm. himself and him actually indulging into the role and bringing like cuz he's always I mean for the character he plays, he's always from being a short guy in his stature, he's always underestimated. And he's the guy who can yeah. knock you out in one punch or do certain things and bring the element. And now you're scared of him because now you see what he can do, even though he's like this short, stubby, stocky dude, that voice is kind of like borderline screechy. <laughs>
0: Everybody,
1: what up? Uh, what you, uh, what you, uh, what you? Like he has that screechy voice.
0: Am I funny? Yeah,
1: how, how, like a clown? Like it's, it's his voice. Like it's, it's everything how he, he carries and presents himself in the film. But yeah, I think that's why he was like considered one of the baddest, like villain bag, tough guys. In Italian films, like he was that mm-hmm. guy. Don't mess with him.
0: Yeah, I mean, he 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 definitely had that had that 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 right aura in in these mobster films. But um, transitioning to to our first topic from under four stars, what would you give it? Um, it to me, it, it was a clear four star film as how it plays out, like almost a, a two and a half hour um, audio visual essay with with just so many well thought out summaries, and analogies, and reflections was tremendous. And the, the narration that, that both De Niro, De Niro and Pesci give is, is extremely dense and implied so well. Just a terrifically written film, um, voice and, and, and phenomenal visual, visuals. Um, but to you overall, looking back at it from one to four stars, like what makes this such um, a, a, a great four-star film?
1: Five-star film. Five, stars five star, five
0: star. I gotta, gotta bump, bump it up. Oh, if we can give it an extra star, I'll give it an extra star. Okay, I'm gonna going for it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a five star, aka four star film. Uh, because one, the actors in there, Sharon Stone, oh my god, I fell in love with Sharon Stone after this film. Oh my god, Sharon Stone is so beautiful. She played the role like it was just like the perfect role for her. Robin De Niro of course. Joe Pesci, um, you have my boy, um. what's his name? Jeez Louise. Uh, uh, Whatever. James Wood. James Wood. Yes. I I like James Wood as an actor. It was like a short, but it was just like everything you wanted. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. The the plot, the storyline, the characters, how it moved. Like, it was just a, like an Italian movement. The movement. Even
0: the the movement of the film. Like, sometimes you can just tell, like, how this film is moving. It's just... It's just at an incredible pace.
1: Yeah, and it was fat. It was funny. It was um, it had a lot of action. It was realistic. At some points, when they shot up the police officer's house, that wasn't realistic. They're standing yeah. so far away. How they <laughs> start blowing up the, the house? <laughs> the biggest gun they had was like a shotgun. They didn't have no like. <laughs> I, that was unrealistic of course. But everything else, what yeah. from, from everybody- That's a stretch. <laughs> yeah, super stretch. Like it was traditional. It was all about, <laughs> like all the Italian movies, don't have sex with another man's wife or uh, live by the cold. We don't do this as a family. Like all those aspects that end a crime. And then when the old guys say, you're going to get whacked, that's what you're going to get. You got to get whacked. Started killing everybody. That's what's going to happen. Um and it was suspenseful too. You didn't know what was going to happen next, but yeah, it I mean it just had every all those things, man. Casino.
0: Yeah. Casino or Goodfellas. I just I I I I just had to mention this cuz this, this these two these two films get compared a lot. Don't
1: do that. Willington is. Don't do that to me, man. Come on. You know what? It's Goodfellas. I'm have to say Casino. <laughs> I'm have to say Casino. Okay. <sighs> And I say that because yeah. I don't even know why I say that. I don't know. I just like casino. I can watch Goodfellas and I think Goodfellas was good. I don't think what's um the lead character, I forgot his name. Uh really. I don't. I don't think he was supposed I don't think he should have been like the main character. Cause you know, in Casino, Robin Really? Robin De Niro was like the henchman in this movie. And Joe Pesci was a Hitchman, too, yeah. or whatever. Like, you know what I'm saying? I thought, I think in a, a, a film like that, I think Robert De Niro should have had that role. I, I, I'm I'm biased. Mm. I'm biased. But I don't, I like the movie, but I thought they should have had somebody else being
0: the I player. mean, whenever De Niro heads heads a movie, it, 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 it's going to be exceptional. I mean, the, it, it, it's one of those things, like, if, if he gets the, the edge in it, you understand why he would. And he was
1: flawless. He was flawless in the mm. movie. He was flawless, Will It's just, he owned that role, and then- From the
0: suits to the robes.
1: (laughs) The glasses at the end, the Jew quotations. What are you, what? Man. And then it was so crazy how the way he started in the business is how he ended in the business, by being a loan shark. Not Mm -hmm. a loan shark, but um, being a guy who picked numbers and was good in betting and stuff like that. Yeah. Um
0: and, and now transitioning to uh to favorite character. Um for, for me it it was Nikki as he was just so un- unpredictable um ends up having a brutal demise and whenever he's on screen like like we we're talking about he just has the ability to um fully possess your attention with with whatever he he was doing and it, it it's one of Joe Pesci's most iconic roles um and he's had so many in addition to this. Um but overall um to you who is your favorite character?
1: I want to say Sam, Ace, Rothstein, but I'm going to say Ginger. Ginger, Ginger, Ginger. She was the curveball throughout this film. And she told him he was a curve, told him that she was a curveball all throughout this film. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was crazy. She (laughs) tore down everything. Yeah. Every, I liked her character, but she served a purpose. I loved the way she moved. Everybody loved her. How She knew how things operated. She took care of people. If you take care of people, they're going to take care of you. They're going to look out for you. And she was in a woman role, but she had so much power. That's what I loved about her, too. I mean, it's stealing and you mm-hmm. know, being all that stuff, but she still had power. She wasn't like those that sidekick role. She was her own woman. She had her own thing going on. And then Sam wanted a piece. Ace wanted a piece of that. So I I like that she had her own her own thing going on, you know, especially for a woman character. I think they gave her uh, a lot of respect in it.
0: Transitioning to most memorable scenes, um, I had the handicapper scene where you know Ace looks back on being given paradise on earth, um, and the chance to run the Tangiers in Las Vegas, and how it all came crumbling down. The count room where Ace and Nikki describe the inner workings of the casino and its corrupt cash flow. Um, in Vegas, everybody watches everybody. Uh, a, a really pivotal scene where you know Ace keeps his eye on the casino manager Don Rickles, and the Eye in the Sky watches all. Um, for Ginger, uh, love costs money. When Ace um, sees Ginger for the first time at, at the craps table, um, cheaters' justice where Ace catches a pair of cheaters at the blackjack ju- table and doles out justice. Um, the Lester Diamond scene where Ace confronts Lester and, and humiliated Ginger at at a coffee shop, and then two thugs beat up Lester. Um, the feds run out of gas. Scene where Nikki's playing a round of golf, and then um, <laughs> an FBI plane <laughs> lands on the course just as Ace meets with the, with the uh, the control board. Um, and then the meeting in the desert, where um, after Ace tries to get Nikki out of town, the two meet in the desert as um, Nikki gives Ace a, a piece of his mind and you Know the in Vegas where everybody watches everybody's scene, um, and Ace is really showing, like, hey, the inner workings of what goes on, and there's nobody that's not being watched in this casino and the whole tapestry of it, um, w- was a really memorable scene for me. But, but to you, kind of like, what was your most uh, memorable scene of the film?
1: That that uh, Fed film, Running Out of Gas, was a good one, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, him them putting a bum into uh, Ace's Cadillac and him not dying, him just like patting himself off, like escaping because he got like a, a armor thing under the hood they didn't, didn't know about. When, um, oh, what's his name? Jesus, well, it's, My brain is kapoey, bro. Uh, when Nikki <laughs> first came out to Vegas and he asked, what do you think about me coming out? That was the biggest thing. He was like, it's it's tough out here, man. I don't know if you really- it's yes, different. And then when they, when both of them were in the desert and they were talking, he was like, when you tell, when you asked me to come out, here, he was like, whoa, 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 ask you, who do you think you are? Like, yo, you did ask me, you know, you think about me coming up. And yeah. So that was being tied together. Um, the scene when they, ah, the scene when they found those guys who had the little thing on their legs, I mean, on their thigh, and it was pressing it and tell mm-hmm. them um, what to do, or whatever, and then breaking his hand and stuff like that. That was a good one. Uh, let me think of one more because you, you named all the good ones too. I'm trying to think of ones outside of it. Oh, when she stole all the money. Oh, yeah, that was good. Scene. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really, really, really good, scene. good scene. Yeah, she stole all that man's money. He couldn't do anything yeah. about it because he, oh, gosh, that's crazy. Then she blew it and died.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Boom. <laughs> and and i I mean uh with with ace and nikki i mean uh uh their the 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 dynamic that like that they had overall in the film in terms like that scene you're talking about what where nikki's asking him like what what would he think if if he came down to vegas and ace is going through like really like kind of all the cons and all the things that he's seen wrong with it um and and just throughout the film like to me like like that's but before we even get to storyline um uh that's that was like already one of my favorite parts of the storyline. Their dynamic, like what in particular to you did you like about the the, the the dynamic that they had, and just kind of just how important it was throughout the entire film.
1: I think it was that you know Kobe and uh, Shaq type feel, man. Just to just give you like yeah. a reference to the basketball, because Ace was the brains, he was the operation in Shooed. Uh, Nikki was the the He was the he was a bruiser. He was Shack. Like like he was the guy who yeah. got stuff done and washed everybody's back. You tell my friend to go shove it up his. Look at him! Look look at him! Ace cried like a little girl. <laughs> look look at him! Ace. <laughs> he killed. He stabbed him with a pin multiple times. Like it was just that different element, and then you just see how things come between friends that they you know it just. Breaks everybody up just like how Kobe and Shaq did. And then, well, they didn't, you know, reconcile. <laughs> he tried to have yeah. Ace killed, so they killed him. So I mean, yeah, that, that that's what reminds me of like that Shaq and Kobe type thing. When they're good together and everything's yeah. moving, perfection, blissful, and then meet me in meet me in the desert. <laughs> Don't you ever go in my head, you Jew. I, I hate when he kept calling him a Jew. I was like, that is so bad, bro.
0: Stop oh, doing that. that is so dumb. Oh my goodness. Yeah, he he crazy, wouldn't man. stop. He, he just went, kept it was, saying it.
1: He was using that as a derogatory, derogatory term. And I was like, oh man, that's <laughs> not good. But yeah. even the old school guys was like, don't mess with the Jew. Leave the Jew alone. I was like, yo, that's... These Italians, man, they don't give a crap. But yeah, I think that's what they it do. was. <laughs> they don't care. They don't
0: care at all. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and now just listening to, to most memorable quotes, Um, I had, um, she knew how to take care of people and that's what Vegas is all about. Um, it, It's kickback city. Um, Another one for guys like me, Las Vegas washes away your sins. It's like a, mor- a morality car wash. Um, I mean, God forbid they, they should make a mistake and forget to steal. That's the truth about Las Vegas. We're the only winners. The players don't stand a chance. In Vegas, everybody's got to watch everybody else. Um, another one, when you love someone, you've got to trust them. There's no other way. You've got to give them the key to everything that's yours. At night, you can see the desert that surrounds Las Vegas, but it's in the desert where lots of the town's problems were solved. And then um, finally, I'm not only legitimate, but running ca- a casino, and that's like selling people dreams for cash. Um, to you, kind of like what was your most memorable quote?
1: Ooh, that's that's going to be tough, man. Um Ooh, there's so many good
0: ones. Okay. Um so, so many good ones. ones.
1: I like the one when um they were in the restaurant and there him and um uh ginger, ginger and nikki was upstairs. She was like, How am I gonna get you your money? You <laughs> took this man to a world. I ain't, man, I'm dealing with you, and then it just escalated. Um, that was a good one. Mm, I like that scene and that line. It was some more. It was um uh, when they was in a grocery store and he was talking about mm-hmm. all these expenses, mom. Like, Ma, he was like, You gotta give me a heart attack. He kept cursing. I can't remember what he said, but he kept Ooh, cursing. She's like, like, When I'm did sorry, you start ma. talking like that,
0: right?
1: <laughs> sorry, mom. I'm upset, mom. I'm upset. I'm upset. It was like these guys keep pulling me over. I'm upset. That was <laughs> that was really good. Oh, um <laughs> mm. Okay, um, it was like a voiceover. I guess you could cast it as a line. He was like, no matter how big a guy might be, Nicki would take him on. You beat nigga with your fist, he comes back with a bat. You beat him with a knife, he comes back with a gun. If you beat him with a gun, you better kill him. Because he'll come back and coming back into one of you is dead. Yo, that's... That's Nicki. Goodness. Nicky, baby, Nicky, yeah. <laughs> the little, hey, he called him the little guy. Yeah. Hey, tell me, Frankie, what about the, the little, little guy? guy. <laughs> the little guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and, uh, uh, and, and now transitioning to um, what did you like the most about the storyline? Uh, to, to me, as I was mentioning earlier, just the fact of this—the the theme of trust—is was so pivotal between yeah. Ace and Ginger, and that's something that that's constantly uh, revolved around. And he in the beginning he feels as though like he makes a bet a lot like he feels as though hey this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with and throughout the film he just doesn't have that same trust and never really feels like she loves him equally as much as he does and that's just um a fascinating element of it and, and um the dynamic of, of, of Ace and Nikki as just like you were saying like the Nikki is the one who gets the job that gets the um everything that needs to be done um completed, and then Ace is the one who's kind of the brains and, and the technician of everything that's going on. Um, but to you, kind of like, what did you like the the most about this particular storyline?
1: I think it had different elements of um, just it summarized up so many like friendship, loyalty, um, just, yeah, <laughs> just um, uh, mm, what else. I think it had the it has the business aspect. It had what casinos are really are. It gave you where they buy high hot hit bodies. Who was top? Who was yeah. you know who was the man who you know what I'm saying? It just gave you all the 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 different elements of what a, a crime family used to do. How people, how you cannot make someone love you. <laughs> that was the biggest one for me. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter what you do, you can't make you can't anyone love you.
0: He, he can't. even said, he even said, I can change her, and that's and from the beginning, that that was was just not something that you can ever do in a relationship.
1: And then you can see, it, and like you said, trust was big in this movie because. The bosses trusted Ace to go run and you know handle the casino. They didn't trust Nikki. Nikki was the guy to take care of. So he, maybe that kind of played a part. Like you know he was bigger than what he was. And then ego, e- ego, arrogance played a role into this film. Like it just gave you everything with Ace getting kicked off, um, because of the the guy, the Tex, the Texas guy finding out that they were running. He fired his his nephew or something like that. And then him having those laws, and then they put him up. He did his own show. He was like, "I want to be on TV." You you could have chose anything else. He could have chose anything else, but he wanted to be on TV Literally. out of spite. <laughs> he could have chose. <laughs> chose anything, man. Like he could have been at like a restaurant, <laughs> but he chose to be on TV because out of spite, his arrogance, his, his masculinity, he felt like he was disrespected. I want something to say, blase blase. That messed things up too. So, but it's just like everything you wanted in, in a movie a storyline. From friendships being broken up to having sex with the watch, which was a big no-no in Italian families and Italian mob. Whew, a lot of killing. The end of scenes. I love how they kind of like wrap everything up. I love how they just do a lot of voiceovers. Yes, and a lot of killing. The voiceovers are amazing. And then the funny thing is, there's no young hitman. It's all old guys chasing after old, yes. after old guys. <laughs>
0: Even come speed. on where's it like, wh- where's the diversity in the age come on guys this <laughs> old, guy old guy no no country for young men
1: <laughs> hey, yo, especially with uh they found the guy in cuba and they was chasing them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. They was like walking. like They were just like trotting like a little bit. It wasn't even full speed. Well, they full speed. I thought, yeah, man, that was funny. Like it was nothing but old guy hit me. Yeah. Even when they beat up um, Nicky and his brother in the West Coast. All old guys. All old guys. White haired. Yeah. I was just like, yo, y'all don't recycle. People do y'all. Y'all used to say <laughs> He was the same hitman,
0: man. The one critique of casino, just old guys,
1: <laughs> just old guys. Just but that's probably how it is, probably is how it is in the mob. Like, they don't like they trust a certain amount of people. You, you build the trust for so long, they're not gonna bring any new guys in to try to train them up and, <clears throat> and let them learn the game. They're gonna use these old guys,
0: yeah. Yeah, just, and, and and now getting to um our last topic of 10 years from now, like do you still think um it, it'll be watchable and intriguing? Um to, to me, this absolutely is as the writing of it was just you know phenomenally done. The the voiceovers, um, the elements of um Nikki and, and, and Ace's um just dynamic and, and what they were going through. Um Ginger and just what Sharon Stone was able to do as as you said, like she just had a phenomenal performance that the, the acclaim and accolades that, that she receives from it as um it, it's just one of her finest performances. And this just being along with a long, you know, w- w- with an array of just amazing Scorsese films. um it, 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 It's like we're saying, constantly compared to Goodfellas, you know, one or the others, some will take Goodfellas, some will take Casino, um, but it's just right up there with some of the finest work um, Scorsese has ever done. Um, but to you, like in particular, 10 years from now for, for just even new new viewers, like like, why do you think this will still be like a watchable, intriguing film?
1: <sighs> um, I mean, it's almost been twenty years, uh, close mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. So I mean, it's still watchable because it's Martin Scorsese. I always say the same thing: is because of the director, because of the actors in it. I, I think it's because of Joe Pesci, <laughs> him being a bad, like a tough guy, and he's just like this small, scrappy yeah. guy. I mean, and it, it has so many elements of what it makes a great movie, and I, I, I think it has the seed. It has, it, I don't want to go keep reiterating the same thing, but I think it's, it's watchable because it's intriguing. It keeps you engaged, and then if you love Italian movies and Italian mom movies, you're gonna be hooked by the first first couple of scenes. To be honest with you, um, and then they're in yeah. Kansas, out of all places. Like <laughs> they're in Kansas. <laughs> they're in Kansas. <laughs> <laughs>
0: At all the locations. At all Kansas.
1: <laughs> they could have picked South Dakota for. <laughs> they picked well, whatever. <laughs> but now nah, it's it's a watch movie because just the clout of the directors and the actors in it, man, and then the storyline hooks you, and then the ending hooks you, and it just gives you an insight of what casinos really are and what they really do. Um, You don't have a chance. They they make you feel good, but they lure you back in. Just like when the Asian guy knocked them over for like millions of dollars, they said something was on with the plane, brought them back, and they drained them dry. Yeah,
0: it, it, it really is one, one of those things that it just it reveals the the, the inner workings and, and, and just the realities of the casino. What um just how everything was constructed and the crumblings of it because like from the beginning, Nikki said like. It was supposed to, it it should have worked out perfectly, but we handled it the wrong way and everything just came crumbling down. And that was just the the natural demise of of, um, what they went through. Um, Well, well, um, that's going to wrap it up for tonight. Iron Hills, Blunt, and Burns, along my counterpart, Savon Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.